Hey everybody, welcome to 12 Questions. My name is Dave Yates and we are rolling solo today. Anna Valenzuela, our co-hostess with the mostest. She is on the road right now with Brandy Posey. They are chugging across the United States of America, talking about all the funnies and, you know, living and learning. Uh, but the show must continue. So we are here. Uh, if it's just me that you don't like, you might want to fast forward through these episodes, but we're going to try. We're going to try. We're, we're trying our best here. Uh, we're a little untethered without our anchor, Miss Anna Valenzuela, but we hope she's selling lots of merch and uh, crushing all the stages. Uh, so at this time, I'm going to read the clarity statement for our lovely podcast. Welcome to Qual Questions. We believe that growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. Our mission is to share our experiences with guests who do the same. We're not affiliated with AA, NA, or any other 12-step organization. 12 Questions has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We're simply two people who happen to be in recovery that want to give hope to anyone struggling. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves. We only hope that you can learn something about yourselves by listening. And I am excited uh, for our guest today. Uh, I've known this lovely lady for oh, probably at least seven or eight years now that I've been out in Los Angeles. Uh, and our guests always introduce themselves. So who are we speaking with today? Hi, I am Kim Kroll. Uh, hey. Hi. Yay. We have known each other like eight years. At least. I mean, I think I met you before I was officially here in L.A. Like we were on some shows together. I love that. Yeah. And I think I've been officially in Los Angeles for like six or seven years. So yeah, it's a ballpark. We've known each other for a while. Yeah. I like a decade. We'll just say a decade. That just, yeah, that makes it sound a lot better. <laughs> and cooler. Yeah. I like Ten saying that. 10 years strong. Our friendship has gone. Uh, how you been holding up? What's new? Um, I'm all right. I'm, I'm good. I like your clarity at the beginning of that. That's just, that's a really cool way to start the whole thing. Um, I'm good. I uh, uh, honestly, I just took a COVID test. We just sort of talked about this. I took a COVID test and now I'm just waiting because I was exposed on Sunday. What a wild world, right? Like two years ago, the words I was exposed would not have been as rampant in our vocabulary. And as now it is it's now. just like, yeah, so uh, I was exposed and da 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 da. da. It's just normal. It's the new normal. Um, I currently have covid i know guys i know i'm dirty i'm fucking terrible <sighs> i'm so dirty i just i, I want to yeah i want to live in a world where we don't guilt over like now it's like it like i like in the beginning like if it was like april 2020 and you got covid because you were like out or like going to you know going you know not giving a fuck about can i swear on here i always forget yeah, to ask please, that before fucking swear as much okay. as you damn well please that's you tried to swear more in that sentence, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, but then I was like, it's going to be too clunky. So I self-edited and that's what you got. That's what you, it was perfect. Mm -hmm. But you know what I mean? Like if it was April 2020 and you were out, then I can see. But now it's just like we're vaccinated. We're out. And like I, you got to work. You got to, you know, take care of yourself. And I, I am 100 percent in agreement. I mean, I've been I've been dodging the Rona for oh shit. 
almost two years, almost two years I've almost gone without catching it. And then like I was just, I was, I was on my way home from the road. I stopped off in Vegas to see a rock show. Uh, I was a little lackadaisical with the mass situation for me because it's just like a fucking just needed to have a good time at a concert. And uh, that's what I get. Uh, the person who was standing next to me uh, ended up testing positive, And then Ugh. I started feeling symptoms about you know, let's see, it was Halloween. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So about four days after. So the concert was on the 31st and I think the Thursday after. So about four days is when I started not feeling great. So I, you know, locked my shit up and then I got a, one of those, put the fucking straw with the Q-tip on the end of it in your nose. I did one of those deals and then it came back COVID. So, um, I, I have mild symptoms. I am vaccinated and it's just, you know, it just feels like a bad cold um, and it's annoying. Uh, no sense or smell or or taste. Uh, the taste is kind of there, but it's not that. And considering I got the COVID at a fish show, one would argue I never had taste to begin with. So, oh, hey, I don't I don't I always liked real big fish. And so I thought they were totally. the same band until I was like 22. Totally the same. Totally the same. Totally the same. Well, I... You're right. It's just people beat themselves up over it now, and it's just like fucking... You know, it's not... It's it's not AIDS. Yeah. And it's... And And even if it was AIDS, don't beat yourself up for getting the AIDS. Yeah, I was going to say, even then, it's just like this shit is like out there, and it's... I I tested positive, so I had COVID last year, and I'm a long-haul person, and my smell and my taste are not... So my smell, I either smell nothing at all or I smell everything. Like, I'll be like, does anybody else smell a fire? And people are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, do you guys smell piss? Like, I can smell everything or nothing at all. Like, I'll put my whole head in my cat's litter box and I'm like, huh, that's still gone. Huh? And then, yeah, that's one of the benefits is I cleaned my cat's litter box today. I'm like, oh, this isn't bad at all today. This isn't, this isn't the smell. And then the taste, I, I, I can't handle spice anymore, which really sucks. Because before COVID, I was out of here. Get the right? fuck out of here, Kim. If you can't so handle hot in... sauce, what are you even doing talking to me? I know. Well, I can. I just can't. Like, okay, so I used to, I worked in bars and clubs most of my adult life, right? And the kitchen is always loved giving me the hottest possible thing they yep. could possibly give me because I would just like taste it and they would be like, Gringa, she's fine. Aren't you white? Like they would be like, what the fuck? And I'm yep. like, I don't know. I grew up on ranch dressing. But now I try to eat hot stuff and I'm I'm a mess. And that I have to say that was one of the worst. I mean, the, the I have an inhaler now and I can't breathe very well. That's probably the worst. But a close second is that I can't have hot sauce. Mm. I like now, Yeah. So and that's the, the shit part is is you got you got covid before the vaccine was even available to anybody yeah you know and like i feel like now because i'm like i i was talking to some friends of mine and uh they i double vaxxed you know and, and then they got it and my buddy said like his symptoms went away after like 10 days like the smell and the taste went but it was only temporarily you know whereas it you know pre-vaccine it's just like the shit i, I can't even imagine getting this shit without a vaccine uh, like, oh. and, and I've been very grateful to have experienced relatively mild symptoms considering. I mean, but I did the same thing. Like I, I was like, I made myself a gigantic crock pot full of chili yesterday and I made this shit hot because I was like, well, fuck it. If I really can't taste anything, I'm going to make sure of it. So like I was using like Indian grade chili powder from the fucking stash. I had cut up fresh jalapenos, put it in there and I made it and I could tell it was good chili. 
the consistency was there and like the, yeah. like I, I made it and I'm I'm a pretty decent cook, but it couldn't taste shit, really. Like I was like, okay, I know this is chili, but it doesn't taste like anything. And I could tell like like my insides were like, Oh yeah, you're putting spicy stuff in us because like the esophagus was like, All right, that's hot and the stomach was like, There's more hot shit, but uh, that's your mouth is uh, like <laughs> For a guy that makes hot sauce for a living, not being able to taste things is problematic. Yeah, because you got to test it out before you every. I make it the same way every time. Like I've been doing it for seven or eight years straight now. Like I could do it blindfolded and it'll still come out the same. But like that's yeah, it sucks. It's uh, it's one of those things that you take for granted, the smell and the taste. Oh, yeah. Um, But really in this whole conversation, it's. It's a force outside of my control. I did the best I could, you know, and I just have to surrender to what the fuck's going to happen to me. And that's hard. It's hard yeah. for a person like me to just surrender to to what is happening, staying present. And that's our first question, Kim. What does surrender look like to you today? Oh, that was a really good. That was a really good segue. That was really impressive. <laughs> Goddamn pro. COVID, yeah. COVID aside, smell and taste doesn't mean my segues aren't good. Oh, it's perfect. Um, surrender. I had a hard time with that. Uh, um, I, I just to qualify a little bit. I'm in adult children of alcoholics and dysfunction. I grew up I've, with. I've heard great things about that program, dude. I was an Al-Anon for 15 years, and I I love Al-Anon. Al-Anon's great. It helps a lot of people, but I always felt like I didn't quite fit. Like, in fact, like I thought, like I went, and it's so sad to me now, and that's why I'm so. That's why I talk so much about ACA because. I thought like everyone in Al-Anon that I was my peers and my, my, you know, my friends in Al-Anon, they were like, oh my God, my life is night and day and I'm great now. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm just too fucked up for the 12 steps to work for me. Cause like Al-Anon helped, but it, it like, it helped me like maintain, but I wasn't living this like free life and you know, whatever. Right. Like I wasn't living, I, I didn't, I kind of had a higher power, but not the way I do now. And then I was in an Al-Anon meeting and somebody mentioned ACA and I asked him about it. And he like how he described it was like Al-Anon helps you with the everyday life, right? Like the everyday you're, you, you were given a crappy toolbox growing up and now you get new tools in Al-Anon. And Al-Anon gave me crazy strong boundaries. But ACA goes in, finds the original wound, rips off the scab and fucking heals it. And a lot of my Al-Anon friends are like, oh, yeah, my sponsor tells me to do that, but it sounds too scary. And I get that. Like, I get it. Like, I, I like, shit I went through, like, in my fourth step, I thought I had was going to have to carry that on my back for the rest of my life because it was yeah. too scary to, like, turn around and face. And certainly not, like, not share with myself, but for sure not share it with another person. Right. And and so before before recovery and uh, I white knuckled everything, you know, like I grew up in a household that if I didn't manipulate control, I could die. Like it was literally life and death. And and being told when you get into 12 steps that you got to let go or get dragged. I think that's the saying, right? There's many a saying, but that yeah, that that one does sound familiar. Yeah, I was like, no, that's that's how I, I I'll die. I'll die if I don't control everything. And now yeah. it's like you said, it's it's being in the moment and being like and it it's not it wasn't like an event. You know what I mean? Like when I read how, what do you what a surrender to you? I was like, God, I don't even know how to put that in in word. It's just a feeling of just like and sometimes it's 
as little as a reminder to myself. And sometimes it's getting on my goddamn knees and praying to help me fucking let go, you know? Yeah, I, I think surrender in general, if, if we're going to stick with some some harsh imagery, it's just like when you stop trying to dig your claws into the fucking present moment and, and manipulate it to suit whatever you think is going to happen to you. For me, surrender, like like right now I've got COVID and mm -hmm. I'm just surrendering to the fact that I did every single thing I could. I'm staying the fuck inside. I, I'm keep, I've kept my immune system up for the past two years. I've been drinking fucking vitamin C and zinc and all, all the other shits when I knew this shit was going down. So I've prepared myself to the best of my ability and it's just got to do its thing, you know, and that's the, it's similar with alcoholism or, you know, codependency or, you know, I've, I've done the steps, you know, in, in the program, I'm starting the steps in another program and I'm just, you know, I'm trying to get to a place where I just surrender becomes quicker because I know yeah. that I'm not the center of the universe and I'm not trying to fix, manage and control not only the situations in my life, but the people. Yeah, and no, that's, that's yeah the co the covid like i'm i just tested and you're right that i love that because it's so true that i i often have to be reminded how far i've come because this time last year when i tested like when i was testing for covid i was mid steps i had just finished my i just did another fifth step with a new sponsor and i that's a long story but um I, I was white knuckling and terrified and refreshing and refreshing. And now I'm like, I'm literally like one step at a time. Yep. We don't have to announce to everyone that you, that you saw in the last three days, see if you have COVID. And I'm like, you said, I'm doing the right things. I'm yep. three boosts. I'm three shots in. So I'm like, yep. if this and let go. Yeah. I, I literally waited until I got my positive result back. And as soon as I got my positive result back, I started contacting the people that I had come in contact with, like a friend of mine that gave me a ride from the airport when I got back from Vegas, my little Wednesday meeting that I do down the street from my house. There's only like four or five of us, but I just, it was funny too, because it was like, it feels just as like, I, I mean, maybe this is a little TMI, but it's just like, <laughs> if you've ever had like an STD and you have to like go back and be like, Hey, uh, I got, uh, <laughs> I got a, I got, I got a, I got a, I got a little burn, a little, a little burn when a pee. You might want to, you might want to, you might want to, that's what if COVID is the new, I burn when I pee for 2021. So I got lunch dumped. I, I, which is so weird. I went on a date with a guy and then he dragged it out for two weeks and then took me on a second day to a lunch to dump me. Yeah, Did I was pay for the lunch at least. Yeah, he paid for it all. But yeah, it was like it was so lunch. confusing. He like he was like, I don't want to date until later. And I was like, this could have been a text like two weeks ago, but whatever. But I had COVID at that lunch. And so he dumps me. And then a few days later, I get tested and I had to call him. And it was like, man, this feels way worse than it would be. Cause like STD, if you don't get the clap or something, that's like, Oh, an antibiotic and you'll be fine. But like COVID it's like, so I could kill you or someone around you. Cause, but he was thankfully was negative and very nice about it. All the people that I, all the people that I was around, uh, tested out negative, um, you know, and, uh, I'm grateful for that. Cause they're, it wasn't many people, but it was enough to be like, yo, hey, get your shit checked out. And and it's like, I think I'm very grateful for the grace that the people, because we've been doing this for so long. Yeah. You know, like the person I'm pretty sure gave me COVID 
Like I wasn't mad at them. No. I was like, we had fun at a concert and uh, I'm vaccinated. So like, yeah, that's the, that's the risk you run for trying to creep out into the world. And that's the thing too. It's like, you know, given that what we do for a living involves rooms full of people, I'm fucking shocked that it took this long for me to get COVID. I'm telling you, I like, I, I started working quicker than most out on the road when this all fucking went down because we were just getting bookings. It wasn't a lot. We were getting like maybe one weekend every other mm -hmm. month and I needed to fucking pay my bills. Yeah. And like, this was no vaccine, fucking jugs of hand sanitizer and masks and just trying to do the best we could. I mean, I remember I was in Birmingham, Alabama. This is maybe like two or three months ago and their COVID cases were, were surging. Oh, this is when they were like, yeah. They were surging and like you got to the hotel and like you'd flip on the news and like the, the Birmingham doctors are crying on the news. They're like, please go get vaccinated. Like people with gallstones are dying because we can't help them. The hospitals are full of you fucking dinglings, you know. Uh, so that's the environment. So uh, we, we're selling merch after the show and we're outside behind the table masked up. And this lady has a good time. She comes out. She buys a hot sauce from me. And she goes, can you take a picture with us? I said, sure. Uh, we're going to do like an over-the-shoulder kind of selfie thing. Uh, so you flip around, do a, and I'll like photobomb you from the back, wave my hands around. It'll be a good time. She goes, will you take your mask down? I said, I can't do that. She fucking threw the bottle of hot sauce back at my face because I would not take my mask down to take a picture with her. Oh my God. Did the hot sauce break? I don't know why that's Not the first plastic, thing I thought. Plastic bottles. Oh, that's right. Okay. okay. <laughs> One of the positive consequences of COVID is I've migrated from glass to plastic because there was a glass shortage and it bounced off of me and hit the table. And I'm like, you can get your money back if you want. I'm not taking this fucking mess off. You yeah. Know? And it, she, she, she grabbed it up and she walked in. And it's fucking insane. It's insane. You know, that this is the world we live in, that I was very polite about the whole exchange. I'm like, sure, I'll take a picture with you, but these are my boundaries. Uh, and that wasn't good enough. It's like a lot of these people are like, oh, my body, my choice, but your body also my choice. You know, and if you don't, oh, yeah, you don't act how I want you. I'm going to fucking throw a temper tantrum. And this wasn't a young woman. This was a, I, I, I would give her mid 50s at best. At, oh, at, I wasn't picturing a younger woman. I was picturing an older woman who probably says the world's not the way it used to be kind of yeah, thing because yeah. I can't, you know, it's it's insane. And it's like, I think being fit with tools and recovery it helps me deal with insane moments like that. You know, for like for me, my initial reaction was to be like, listen, you cunt. Like, I'm not taking my mask off, you fucking bitch. Like, do you, do you not see the news? Your doctors are crying. Go fuck yourself. I don't trust you. But I didn't. But I didn't. That was just the bottom line for me. I was able to keep my cool and just say, hey, I'm sorry you feel that way, uh, but I ain't taking my mask off. And that's, that's I deal with insanity because I circle it through uh, all the steps and the tools that I've learned. Kim, what has been the most insane moment you've had either in recovery or pre-recovery? You can go either way. Oh, my God. I missed that one. Okay. Um, could be insane good. Could be insane bad. Uh, we we kind of, it's a choose your own adventure with insanity. Oh, my God. Um, I'm trying to, like... I think that's that's so hard to pinpoint one because a lot of it's insane good. Like, especially now, like I just finished my 12 steps um, a month ago, right before I went back home 
to visit my family. So I basically, my, my sponsor, my fucking sponsor, she's like, I can't wait. I think it's going to be great. And I'm like, and I, and, and she was right. Cause she was just like, you're just going to see what different, what a different person you are. And when, but I jumped into my trauma and like the belly of the beast. And I think, yeah, one of the most insane witnessing your growth in real time and being aware of it. If that makes sense, like I used to go home and, 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 you know, generational trauma and generational dysfunction is real. Like I, when I first entered 12 steps, I like didn't really understand what that meant. Um, like I understood like my parents and aunts and uncles are pretty fucked up and I understand my cousin's kids are probably gonna be really fucked up. And if I had kids, you know what I mean? I understood like literally intellectually what it meant, but I didn't. And normally when I would go home, I would come back, internalize it all as my fault that I must be, you know, not good enough, smart enough. If I was all these other things, maybe they would love me and approve me. And then I would lay in bed and isolate for at least two weeks and only do things that I had to do and, you know, do all the, you know, the, the destructive shit. And this time the trip was really hard, but it, I came back and like knew it had nothing to do with me that like gratitude that, my childhood was so bad that I had to get out. Like if I didn't get out, I would have died. But my, you know, my family members, it was not that bad. So they're still just in the, and so I came back and I'm still on not stable ground from the trip. It will take me a while. I think of filling my cup back up and getting grounded. And, and the good news is, is I also learned that like, all of my shit I need to do in order to stay aligned and grounded. I would only do in the beginning of cover recovery and in Al-Anon, I would only do when I you know, absolutely needed it when I was on my knees, then I would start to like do my recovery shit. And now I just do it and it's a habit now. So when I do need it, it's not like laying in bed it's for five nature. days. It's, it's second, second nature. nature. And I'm yeah. mad about it sometimes when that, I don't what, feel that, you, that, that, that it doesn't kick in right away. Oh, I'm mad that I have to do it. Like when oh, I'm like not okay. feeling good, I'm yeah, like fucking yeah. journaling. I don't want to fucking do this. But I'm like, but this, you know, this is the, the way to fill your cup back up. Yep. And that's that's the change. It's just like uh, it, I always tell people 12 step recovery becomes uh, not only just something that you do, it becomes you know, part of who you are. Like, so it just becomes a natural thing. Like, I don't, I don't think twice anymore when something bad happens to me or around me, I call my people. Like, I don't, it's not a struggle, you know? Like, I go to meetings yeah. when I'm not feeling great. I go to meetings when I'm feeling phenomenal. Like, it's yeah. just, it's just- And every in between, everywhere in between. Just part of what I do now. And it, and it informs how I make my decisions. You know, uh, you know, having the tools that you get from any 12 step recovery, you know, it, it, it informs how you make decisions. And that's the next question, Kim. How do you make decisions in your life today? Much differently, um, just like right out of the gate, just much differently. Um, I, have, I have an example of that that just happened this last week because one of my stuff that I know is another question. One of my defects is people pleasing. Sure. Um, and my, I have some friends that are coming into town and uh, I booked a job the weekend there in town. And it's like a big job that I can't turn down financially, nor 
to me, it's like turning that down is like being like, nope, universe, I don't need that. You know what I mean? Like, but I, my people pleasing and codependency is, was so bad that like, I would, you know, not have worked that job just so they wouldn't be mad at me. And so I called my sponsor this morning. And like you said, it's just second nature just to like, and I, she didn't even have to say anything. I just worked it out out loud. And, and she was like, wow, we call it loving parent in ACA. Like how we, how, the solution has become our own loving parent, like give myself shit that my parents didn't give me and that it, and it works. Right. And I was just like, Oh, they're, if they are mad, then those aren't people I want around. And this is what, you know, like, and I worked it out and she goes, that's loving parent. And that's program. And I said, no words. And you did it all. Like I was able to identify why I felt guilty and work through the trigger of like, oh, because if I didn't people please as a kid, I would literally die, right? Like there, it was survival. And so my decisions now, they're, they're re- active instead of reactive. Like, and it's weird to see that sometimes where like, you know, someone will send you a shitty email and old Kim would fire back an angry, like, a you know, on point wordsmith shitty email back that I'd be all proud of. And now it's like, I know, like I I'm active. Like, it's like, Oh, I'm going to put that down for a minute. So my decisions are when I feel threatened, I want to threaten back. When I feel hurt, I want to hurt back. That's just, it's, it's, it's always been a part of who I am. It's just every time I've hurt, I want to hurt back. And that's, you know, that's, you know, moving along through my own recovery, I get more of a pause before I hurt. That doesn't mean I'm not hurting. Uh, I just, I don't hurt back as quickly when I'm hurting. And a lot of the times I get enough of a pause that like the urge to want to hurt back subsides quicker, you know, where it's like I get those emails and I go, don't have to respond to that right away. You know, like I I have to send a difficult text uh, probably after this podcast and it's loaded up in the hopper. I have not hit send yet. I'll probably call uh, one of my sponsors because I'm in two different programs at this juncture. Uh, and I'm going to have to tell them like, hey, this is not going to please someone, but I have to send this message, you know, and that's because I I think that if I do all the right things, uh, it's going to make you not leave me. Uh, yes. If I do all the right things, it's going to ensure that you won't do me dirty. And that's not ever been the case no matter how hard i try no matter how many good things i do people still leave people still fall short of this unrealistic expectation that i have for them and like that's it took a long time to learn that you know one of my biggest i know the defects are coming down the pipes it seems we talked about it a little bit it's just like one of my biggest character defects that i deal with on a regular basis is having unrealistic expectations of those around me Mm. Because it all, it it goes through like, well, Dave would do it this way. Why can't they? Because it's not me. You know, that doesn't mean I'm bad for doing it that way. But it's also like, how thin am I going to spread myself before I go? Yeah, you don't have to do that. Yeah. Isn't that a weird, you don't have to do that. Oh. It's surprising. I'll tell you that much. It It is surprising. And that's the next question is, Kim, what is the most surprising thing that you've learned about yourself? Oh gosh, I'm awesome. I know that. Hear me out. <laughs> I mean, I know I am, and I know you think I am because I'm here. But like, well, we were struggling to get guests. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you were on kidding. a very long. Um, <laughs> it's like, don't do this to me. <laughs> uh, but I, 
I one of my first ACA meetings I went to, and 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 Al-Anon, it was great, but ACA, the second I walked in, I was like, oh, these are my people. I'm home, right? Good. And this guy said, one thing ACA has given me is this unshakable sense of self. And I wrote it down, and that was three years ago, almost three and a half years ago. I wrote it down because I was like, I want that. And I never thought that I would be capable of having that. Like I'd watch people not fight, but like disagree. And then one person be like, I don't like that with no worry at all that this person, the other person wouldn't be like, fuck off. I never want to be your friend. Cause this person was like, no, these are my boundaries. And I always knew I was strong cause I, of what I've been through, but I didn't realize that I'm okay. And I'm great. And like, I'm a fucking butterfly my sponsor told me that this morning so <laughs> she's like you're a butterfly who thinks it's in its cocoon but you're actually a fucking butterfly that's, and I, that's surprising what is that i'm a butterfly no that you oh. learned that about yourself that it wasn't just a natural like inclination because i think you're awesome but Thank that's you. the it's, it's it's a lot easier for me to like say begrudgingly thank you for the compliment and it's it's hard for me just just accept that I am good, you know, that, uh, that maybe I don't, maybe I don't need to do more work on myself. You know, maybe I'm just fine the way I am. And that's, that's been surprising. Isn't that wild? I know. And it's like, oh God. And it's like, and now I have that unshakable sense of self where I'm like, oh, a lot of people aren't going to like me, but a lot of the right ones do. And that's, and I like me. That's that's yeah. also surprising. I love me. And I I lied about that for years, you know. Oh, it's the easiest. I, I'm so capable of lying to you to make you think I'm okay. Like mm -hmm. I talk about that all the times in the rooms. It's just like I am unapologetic about when I'm not okay simply because I know the book very well and I can regurgitate all the colloquial phrases and all the bullshit to make you get the fuck off my back, you yeah. know? And just because I just, sometimes I'm content hurting and hating myself. That is it. It is a real place that I exist sometimes. You well, know? can I ask you like that? Because me too. And I think it's because that, that was chaos and hating yourself was how I grew up. That was my, that's my baseline. That's my normal. Yeah. Like not, but that's how I like felt safe is if I was in that hatred. Yeah. I, um, I was talking about it with my therapist yesterday. Like I never had a best friend ever. Like <laughs> you know, I was pretty much on my own a lot. Like I would go to school and I would have like acquaintances and shit, but then I would go home and like no one would call me to hang, you know, like I, and I, I spent a lot of my high school formative years just locked in my room playing guitar for like eight hours because it would be, it would be the, the numbing uh, activity that I needed. Like when I was a kid, I could remember I would go fishing all day long by myself because no one wanted to hang out with me. You know, and I it wasn't like I was a like I wasn't that weird of a kid. Like I did, it's not like I was, it's not like I was like the kid who cut himself. And not to say that that's a, you know, if you're that kid too, like <laughs> you're all right. Like, but like I wasn't there. What to looking back on it now, it's just like I just wanted to be loved and I wanted to have some best friends, and I never had that. And mm -hmm. you know, I think throughout my life, I've I've, I've operated in a way where if I'm extra good to you then maybe you'll want to be my best friend. 
you know, and at the end of the day, I have to be content with being my own best friend. I don't have a BFF to share half a heart necklace with, you know, like I don't, it's just not, not what I have. And it's, it's interesting. It's, it's probably why, like when relationships end for me, be it via death or uh, just like romantic relationship, it crushes me. Like it blows me apart to pieces. And then I'm left to like pick up all the pieces again. Like here, here you go again, picking up the pieces you tried. And that's just, that's what I'm working on right now. And that's, it, it's, I'm surprised that I have uh, <laughs> the motivation to keep, to keep trying, you know, especially after all the shit that I've been dealt. And I've not gotten dealt anything any worse than anybody else on the planet, but I've gone through a lot of loss the past three years, you know, between losing my father to cancer at 59 to breakups to fucking, yeah, just, uh, I'm happy. Sometimes I feel like I'm hanging on for dear life, but the, but the the cornerstone is that I, I I've built a foundation through recovery where I don't got to drink over it, uh, I don't got to act out over it, like I don't gotta I don't gotta fill the the emptiness with people, places, or things, or substances, or yeah. cheeseburgers, or whatever the fuck, you know. And that takes a great deal of honesty. That when I feel like I can't take anymore, that I'm that I'm okay and that I, I, I am capable of so much and handling so much. And that's, that takes honesty and that's, that's years of stripping away all the lies I've told myself. And I, there's still a lot more to go. Like there's still a lot of fucking walls I got up around myself. Uh, and it's, it's hard. It's hard being brutally honest. And I say brutally honest only for me, because a lot of people like to tote brutal honesty as a, a and they weaponize it. And I don't think yeah. honesty has to be brutal, but like for me, I have to be brutally honest with the good parts of me, you know, like I have to be like, hey, it was a very brave thing you tried to do starting a, a life with someone. Hey, it was yeah. a very brave thing you did being next to your father while he was dying. It's very brave that you did those things instead of going, you couldn't save him. You couldn't stop that. They left you anyway. It's it's a switch. It, it's a switch of perception. And it's like, I've never not, I've never not been able to handle myself. I've always been able to take care of me. I've always been able to help other people. And, and that's, that's the honesty I have to do. I have to be self-honest with myself about the good parts of me, uh, because I'll let the other side take over, you know, like I, I used to say in the beginning, cause I heard it in a meeting and it really fit the way I felt. I was like, you couldn't hate me more than I hated me. People tried. People tried and they failed miserably because I was the champion of hating Dave, you know, yeah. and that took a lot of honesty. And that's the next question, Kim, how honest are you with yourself and those around you? Oh, I, I don't call it brutally honest. I call it rigorous honesty. There you go. Um, I'm the same way uh, with therapists. Every therapist I've ever had, I would worry that they like my people pleasing and codependency, they weren't helping me, but then I would just say all the right things. like the spiritual bypass. I think they call it where I know all the right words. And I would just say like, I was great. I was great. And then I'd have to ghost them because they didn't. And now, and um, <clears throat> I think the, the honesty, the really, the big honesty started to come when uh, I lost my dad six years ago. And 
uh, like a year afterwards, I went through a really bad depression where I wanted to kill myself. And I knew enough about mental illness because I grew up around it. Right. And I struggled with, but I knew enough that my brain was broken. It wasn't me. These, but I needed to tell literally anybody who would listen that I wanted to kill myself. Otherwise I could just save my own life. Right. And, and I did, and I lost a lot of friends and those people still aren't, you know, I'm, that's that's awesome. Now, you know what it hurt then, but now I'm like, oh, the toxic people fucked off on their own. But that was when I first became rigorous honesty. And now I I have to be. Like you said like in the rooms like cuz I am so good at knowing what you need to hear in order for you to think I'm okay. Because if you don't think I'm okay, maybe you'll leave me. And I don't want you like I would do anything to get an anybody to not abandon me, right? Like abandonment issues had abandonment issues. And now it's, oh, I hate it. But it's it's like, I can't, like, I, I say I hate it a lot, but it's like a love-hate because well, I... Yeah, because it feels gross every time. It's like, it, it's like it, you take 20, 30 plus years of, of, of defense mechanisms and, and you, you constantly try to be rigorous about not throwing up those walls like i mean i can yeah. remember when i when my father passed i needed to share in meetings and i was sharing in meetings about it and then like people would come up to me and be like oh your dad's in heaven right now looking down on just telling me all this shit like he's he's not in pain anymore that i used to have to end my shares in meetings i was like hey and uh after this meeting please don't come up to me I don't want anybody to come up to me and tell me where they think my dad is or anything about what I just shared. Just please leave me alone. I have people that I share with. So don't hear this and say, well, this guy's really got a problem with fucking letting. No, you got to hear me that I know exactly what I need to be doing right now. I'm just in a lot of pain. So don't fucking come up to me after this meeting. And that's a boundary, you know, a, and it's like it feels, a... oh, it feels gross. But it's like either that or motherfuckers put on that superhero cape. And they don't, it's like, I don't want to hear what you think, Tim, in the Vietnam hat. Like, I don't. Like, fucking, no. I just needed to share about my pain, what I'm doing about my pain in this safe space, which is this meeting. And, and I'm going to have a better chance at not picking up that drink. Um, but that's boundaries and that's honesty. And it's, it's scary. It's scary to stick up for yourself like that. And it's uncomfortable. I think that was the big one is just like sitting with the discomfort. I I went out with a guy a couple of like a month or two ago. And uh, my superpower is I read people really well. Like and my sponsors always she's like, that has been your number one since I've known you. I just I mean, I think I think it's just childhood. I had to learn how to know who was safe and who wasn't safe in the room. Right. Because my mother was bringing over loads of drug addicts. And it was like, oh, that guy, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. And so I gaslit myself into saying this guy is great because everybody else thinks he's great. And then we slept together. And then, you know, sure enough, he was not great. He turned out to be awful. But old Kim would have figured out a way to make him fit. And this one and I just went, nope, going to block him. And I'm not blocking him because of him. But I like it was like a hard and I was so uncomfortable because I was like, no, you are worthy of being treated well. and. Well, it was uncomfortable standing up for myself, putting a boundary there and blocking this dude and being like, no, no matter what, I am worth being treated well. 
and ugh, so uncomfortable. I wanted to cr like claw out of my skin for days. And it's now I'm like, it's anxiety inducing. Yeah. Well, because when you did it as a kid for me, it was, I was selfish. I was bad. I was horrible. I was a bad kid. Like, you know, I, I wouldn't get love if I didn't abandon myself. And, you know, that's hardwired. Like you said, it was 20, 30 years of that stuff. It was yeah. not. It's, and it's not, sometimes I got to give myself a little bit of a break. You're not going to unlearn 20, 30 years of bad behavior. And I've been sober almost 10, you know, and it's still, there's a lot of stuff there that like, I'm just now scratching the surface of because I've been able to like maintain a life for a while and yeah. like getting to that, those new, you know, core issues. It's anxiety inducing for me. Uh, but ultimately, it's the good type. It's not like the crippling anxiety of the, my drinking days. But uh, that's question number six, Kim, is how do you experience anxiety today? Oh, today. I love that. I love that today because you're right. It used to be crippling anxiety where I would isolate. My my drug of choice is isolating, right? Like just complete. And now anxiety, I talk to it. Um, and I that's what our, my program calls loving parent is where it's like, all right, well, what, what, what are we anxious about this thing? What is the thing? Why let's, okay, let's walk through it. Because like most of the time it's like, oh, I'm afraid if I don't get this job that I won't be able to pay rent and then I'll die. Or like somehow I won't survive and I'll die. Right. Like everyone will leave. And it's just like, well, those aren't realistic things. I understand that they were when you were younger, but you know, I like, this is such a little one, but you have a cat. Maybe, maybe you'll understand. So you have a cat that is your best friend as well. Uh, my cat was really sick uh, last year and going to the vet was always really scary because, you know, I, I would just think of the worst case scenario, not even that he'd die in the vet, but like he'd somehow get out of his carrier, jump out of his carrier, run into the middle of Sunset Boulevard, get hit by a car. And it was all because I couldn't anticipate every little like eight moves ahead. Right. And I was like, all right. And the anxiety was so bad one morning because he had to go to the vet quite a bit. And I sat with it and I was like, all right, well, what, where is this coming from? And it was like, oh, well, when I was a kid, my parents, I had a dog and my parents and I had a bunny that got hit by a car pretty gruesomely. And my parents just didn't care about that stuff. It was just like, yeah, it's just a dog. It's just a bunny. Like, and I was just expected to just be, and my dog lived for a long time, but they were sketchy with that too. But like, and then I was able to like inner child work. I used to be like, Bleh, I hated inner child. Like I was like, I'm not going to talk to my inner child. Now I fucking talk to my inner child secondary nature. But like, that was the, the, like, I was like, all right, this is an inner child thing. I'm, I'm an adult now and I have you and like, nothing's going to happen to Henry. We are going to take all the precautions and we're just going to take him to the vet and we're, we're going to take care of him. And immediately it went away. Cause it was like, Oh, I'm not stuck in that crazy household anymore. I'm the parent in charge. And so I, I, I don't know if that answered the question, but oh, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good example. And I think uh, something that many people can relate to because that, that, that's, I got Jeffrey pickles. He's all I got in this world, you know? So it's just like, and I literally have to, I, I almost on a daily basis have to make an amends to this sweet dumb asshole Aww. because it's like I'll wake up and before I have my coffee and me I'm sitting out at the table trying to meditate and he's like dive bombing my feet and I'm just like I'm just like motherfucker calm down like leave me let me the fuck alone for like five minutes and it's just like he's just trying to love on me 
And I just need to fucking accept that he's just a, a fucking dumb, dumb idiot that likes feet. I got a feet cat. It's weird. But like, that's no. just... And I apologize to him on a regular basis. I'm like, I'm sorry. I sometimes am mean to you. And I don't hurt him. But I'll, like, I'll shove him out of the way. Like, get out of here, you know? Like, and that's not nice. But he don't know any better. And he keeps coming back. No matter how much I push his love away, that motherfucker keeps coming back. Probably because oh. I give him treats. But but that's that's... It's it's hard for me to accept love from a fucking animal, even sometimes. That's how I know, like, some parts of me are still fucked up. <laughs> like, I'm fine just the way I am, but it's like, I'm I'm working through a lot of shit, uh, yeah. you know, at this juncture in my recovery, and that's okay, you know? And, and that's, I, like, I... Like my character defects now are just it's it's so far removed from like the drinking and the drugging, but it's like I you know I, I I've said this before like the imagery I like to use surrounding character defects in the steps is like is like whack a mole. Remember that game whack a mole where yeah. like the little fucking turds would pop out of the machine and, and you got the big old mallet and you'd whack whap them. Well, in the beginning, before I got sober, sober, they were always popping up, right? And I didn't try to stop them. And then, you know, you get a couple of years under your belt, like the, the really glaring defects, they pop up, but they don't, you, you beat them down, you handle them, and then they stay down for longer. So like now it's just like the defects that do pop up, like I can see them coming, like, and, and I, can, I can do a better job at arresting them and turning them over and surrendering to them. Uh, Kim, what defects of character have you turned over the most or worked on uh, today? Oh gosh. I love that by the way. I love the, the whack-a-mole. That's really funny. And also you're, you're right. Like I now I, I do, I do still struggle with turning it over until there's a small reminder and I'm like, Oh, you turn it over. I forgot about that. You know what I like I'm in a meeting and I'm so mad about this thing. And then I'm like, Oh, I could just give it to that God. I worked so hard to get at, or I already had, but no, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I would say today, my biggest defects Judgment, 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 man. I judge the fuck out of me. I judge the fuck out of you, not you, but you know what I mean? Like, and when I'm judging the fuck out of someone else, I'm like, all right, what are we judging about me today? Because that's really what it is. Like, pick up the micro or the magnifying, the mirror, not put down the magnifying glass. You know what I mean? Pick up the microphone. Um, that's usually what we do. <laughs> that That is what we, and we yell about it. And then it, it but that's it's. <laughs> Is it, what would you say? It doesn't ever go away. Yeah, I think, I, which I love. I, I love that we have that aspect. I, as do I. I process. I, I mean, I've literally been writing COVID jokes all week because it's the only thing I can think to write about. I got I got my dead father in the mail two weeks ago. Not like, you know, his ashes, not like remains and shit. And I mean, there's still remains. There still remains, but like I wrote a joke about that because I didn't know how else to process just getting this thing. And now it's like one of my funnier jokes. And I'm like, oh, that. And so I'm grateful for that. But I would say the judgment, I think, I I mean, I don't, I have no idea. I can't say forever, but I do know that one of the things that I struggle with, we talk uh, abandoning myself. I used to abandon myself at the drop of the hat just to make sure that you wouldn't leave me. But the funny thing is not haha, but the funny thing is, is I'd only pick people who would abandon me. And then the cycle would be. And so now I, the people pleasing judgment and abandoning of myself, but the people pleasing and abandoning of myself is the same, right? Like when I'm, and, and uh, turning it over, I have to be reminded so many times my sponsor's like, I feels like a step seven. And I'm like, God damn it. You're right. I could just turn. And it's weird how immediately 
there's a little bit of relief, even if it, you know, even if you have to spend a lot of the day doing it. And sometimes it's one minute, sometimes it's half the day, sometimes it's five days, right? But like, I don't know, this thing's wild, man. Recovery. Yeah, I mean, they're it's... all wrapped. <laughs> they're all wrapped up in the same. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, I, they all play off each other. Like, they all just become one huge defense mechanism for me. You know, yeah. and it's, uh, you know, the ones I'm dealing with right now is just like trying to let go of, you know, fear of economic insecurity. It's like, you know, like work is kind of picking up and then it dips and then it picks up again. And it's just like, I know how to hustle and I know I'm going to be okay. But that's not the loudest voice sometimes. It's you're going to end up homeless in the streets and you and Jeffrey Pickles are going to be turning tricks. You know, like that's that's where my head goes. And that's I have to be conscious of that because like it doesn't go there as quickly or as long as it used to which I'm thankful for but like it it can go there when I'm hurting when I'm at my worst in, in, in when I'm in pain internally that's when the defects come out because they're like oh you're in pain well time to time to fucking unleash all the all the um you know the the hidden protectorants you know the the uh, the shields the the defenses you know like the the my character defects saved my life at one point that's that we say in my and in, in ACA we say that some of them aren't defects some of them are we want to integrate these survival traits because a lot of my defects kept me alive mm -hmm. And yeah. yeah, that's so when I'm at my worst, they want to come up because their job is to protect me. And they and I I try to talk to them, right? Like be like, okay, what are we, you know, to uh, thank you. Thank you for protecting me all those years. I bet there's another place we can use this judgment thing, right? And like there are places that there there's places in the world that judgment is necessary, right? like judging the guy that I shouldn't date because he's not a very nice guy. Like that's not me judging him, but using judgment. And sure. a lot of the defects are so that, like they come up and they're like, well, we're here to help you because you're in a shitty place. And it's like, well, you kind of make things a little worse sometimes. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. yeah. And then, then what follows the defects cropping up for me is I have to forgive myself, mm. <laughs> which I'm terrible at for having these like it's like i have to forgive myself for failing i have to forgive myself for hurting you know like i have to forgive myself and i am horrible at it like i'm easier to forgive people that have wronged me than i am to forgive myself and that's that's question eight kim is how do you experience forgiveness today oh man um i've had i forgiveness like, like i'm with you i i'm so much more relentless on myself than i am others but i i now look at my father uh sexually abused me that kind of that's a whole uh there right turn. there it is uh but the fact that i was able to forgive that guy it makes me know that like and fully like fully forgive him like it's not not like because there was a while where I was white knuckling that too. I forgive yeah. him. I know it wasn't his fault, but now it's just like I, I have zero anger towards that guy. Like, like I know the cycles. I know some shit had to go down with him. He wasn't a well man, you know, all that stuff. And I think forgiveness for me is using my empathy. You know, when someone wrongs me, being able to look at their, their not their part, but not their side of the street meaning, but just like, 
man, it, and also understanding none of it's personal. None of it's personal. I like it may feel personal, right? Like your dad doing that to you. It feels really personal, but really it was just that guy had a bunch of healing he had to do because some other fucked up guy did something to him. And I think people misunderstand sometimes empathy and sympathy, mm -hmm. right? Like I, I agree with you. It takes empathy, but a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, well, don't you know to feel sorry no i don't feel sorry for the people that have wronged me but i can empathize with what has happened and that's a very hard thing to talk about and and you know i'm not going to do that thing. oh sorry that happened to you no these are real things to happen to people and this is the this is the shit that keeps people sick is like yeah. they think how can i ever forgive this how can i ever forgive that you know or i'm going to take this to my fucking grave these are the things the, the tough topics like this that you know that i think people listening need to hear is that like there is a possibility to forgive even the most dastardly shit that happens to us and ultimately it's just so we could live it's it it saved my life forgiving that guy like and like you said there are people listening like it's uh, for a long time, I thought it was my shame. It's that guy's shame. It's not my shame. And and it doesn't mean something was wrong with me. It doesn't mean something is wrong with me. And I, I think you're right. It does keep people sick, like, because, the, you know, you're as sick as your secrets. I thought for, uh, like, when he first died, I thought I will never be able to talk about this as freely as I do now. And now I talk about it because I meet a lot of people who are abused and they're like, I have never heard someone talk about it so openly and so forgiving. And also it's, it's super cliche, but I didn't forgive him for him. No, I forgave him for me. Like, nope. like it's, it's, you know, uh, hoping someone dies, but drinks the poison, whatever the say, I'm really bad at sayings, but it's something it's, like that. It's something like, it's like, it's like you drinking the poison and hoping the other person dies. But then it's <laughs> like in the scenario, uh, in your case, it's just like, that person's dead, so you're gonna keep drinking the poison, hoping they re-die. You know, like yeah. that's that's a lot. A lot of it too is uh, uh, some people go through trauma, and that that person doesn't exist anymore, and that's when they feel okay coming out. Like you see it a lot, like when like famous people pass away, and like people that are victims of abuse from that person finally feel safe enough to come out with it and then people are like well why didn't you say anything earlier well it's because this person's finally fucking gone and they're and like i i cut my father out of my life four years before he died because of that and talking about forgiveness i am struggling a bit not really with forgiving but working through a forgiveness process right when he, when he first died i you know some of my family knew some of them didn't but when they asked, I was like, oh, I have to tell whatever. And now it's been nine years since I've cut that guy out, or almost 10. And I have family members who have my family consistently tells me that they have conversations about how they don't believe me, but they'll love me anyway. And I had a family member pass four or five days ago, and I'm having a really hard time processing it because we were really close when I was a kid, but he was on the side of what I did to my father when I abandoned him. It's yeah that I'm using air quotes for those of you who are listening because I yeah. what I did to my dad ridiculous yeah. but 
I have, I, in order for me to move on and process this anger, I have to forgive these people. This is, this is what they know. And also it's easier to make me a bad guy than it is to admit that possibly they could have seen something when I was, when I was a kid or they could have known something or just the simple fact that someone that they loved so much could have done something so horrible. So it's not personal, but I got to work through that anger and forgive them. Uh huh. And anger is a lot more palatable of an emotion for me than uh, I'm afraid, I'm sad, I'm hurt. Anger oh, comes man. out fastest for me because it's just like this is a much more, uh, I, I would rather present as angry than hurt and weak. And that's, I'd be, that's just the lies that you tell yourself sometimes. You know, like where anger, feel, anger feels better than I'm scared and I'm sad. You yeah, know, like that. I didn't for have that reason. That's for me. That's what it is. Like, anger for me, uh, like outwardly, is is a lot less shameful um, and, because there's still so. For for me, anger. There's some dignity in anger, and, there, and like I'm learning that's just like there's dignity in being vulnerable and sad and and honest. You know, and like I've had people be like, "Man, you're so vulnerable in the meetings." I'm like, "Cause I'll die if I'm not." Cause I'll I've gotten to the point. <laughs> I've gotten to the point where it's just like I don't want to die. So like that's it's a life or death errand for me. Like, I love that life or death errand. Yeah, that's and that's you know that goes along with forgiving myself and that goes along with me making things right that I've done wrong too, like the amends mm-hmm. process. And that's Kim. What is the most surprising amends or apology that you've either having to give or received? Oh man, um, the amends was tough, but for different reasons. Like the the tough amends I made really easily, right? Like the ones that like, oh, this is definitely what I, the two that were the most, the uh, first was to myself, right? They say, put your name at the top of the amends list. And that was like such a beautiful experience that I just didn't expect it to be so freeing. Because it was like, I I just wrote myself a letter and then I found a really pretty spot in Los Angeles and I sat down and I read it to myself and then I went home and I put it in my God box and I felt light. But the one that was hard, I had, or not hard, but surprising and hard. um, I had a coworker who was like a best friend for years and years. I mean, we were best friends for like 10 years and we worked together at a bar and a man at the bar I cornered me and tried to see up my dress. And then, you know, I mean, like he sexually misconducted me. I hate that word because it's like, ah, it's such a cute word to protect predators, um, to make them not feel like they did anything bad. That's, that's just assault. Yeah. That's, call, yeah, that's yeah. Assault. And I reported him and and the whole bar, including this woman who is a best friend of mine for 10 years, completely turned on me and took his side and, you know, did all this stuff. What were you wearing? Were you drinking? Like all the victim blame stuff. And so I quit that bar and she and I stopped being friends for like, I don't know, four years or something like that. And I've, when I started the process, I was like, I, I know that if I'm still angry and resentful at someone, there's something on my side of the street that needs to be cleaned. Like I know that for myself. Like if I like there are people who are very angry at me that I'm like, my side's clean, man. I don't I don't care. Right. But like if I'm still holding on to something somewhere in my side is unclean, but I couldn't there. there it was like not even on the table to even, you know, how they're like, put it on, a put it on the list on eight. And then you'll be surprised. It wasn't even on my eight list because I was like, no, fuck her. Right. And then one day I was writing and doing my meditating and it just hit me. 
I was like, this woman was really involved in this bar. And the way I had handled it was I just let, I, I usually just cut and run, right? Like I burn it down, I walk away. That's a big defect of mine. I don't, it's black and white, burn it down, walk away, or, you know, or I have to jump in there and fix everything. Like those, that's one of my defects. And, and I was like, how I was able to use the empathy of being like, how can, conf- like, you don't have to apologize for what had happened to you, but she was your best friend of 10 years and you didn't talk to her about this at all. You just let her believe what everyone else was saying and said, fuck her and blocked her on everything. And I, the words just came to me. I emailed her and was like, look, I don't, you know, I don't feel great about how things ended with us. Um, for me, it's water under the bridge. And I just don't, I, I, you know, I hope you're doing really well. And she wrote back and I was like, I'll probably, and the cool part about amends too, is that I'd got like, there's a reason it's an order, right? Cause like, if I would have done that at the beginning, I would have been like white knuckling her response, but I'd gotten to the point where it was like, there's nothing to do with her. She doesn't respond, but immediately she wrote back and she was like, I really thank you for this. I I've been really sad about losing you as a friend for a long time. And are we going to be best friends? No. Are we ever going to be back to where we were? Absolutely not. But that anger is gone now. And I, that was the last person on the planet I ever thought I would make amends to. And then it just, it fucking works, man. It just happened. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's uh life is too fucking short to carry that poison around. Yeah. And, and uh, they say in, in, in one of the programs is, is justified anger is the dubious luxury of normal men. And that is, Ooh. it is uh, 100%. Like I'm not a normal person, so I don't get to be angry. Like I, I just, cause I, I carry it around like fucking acid and it's in my stomach and it's either eating away at me or it comes out and I'm going to spray it on you. Uh, and, and, yeah. and I, I can't carry it, you know, like I can feel it. You can feel it in your gut and you're just like waiting for someone to do you wrong. Like you're just waiting for someone to cut you off, you know, in the car. Or you're just waiting for that person to say the wrong thing. Or you're waiting for that person to make a joke at your expense. And you're like, oh, I'm going to teach you. Yeah. And it's just like, I can't, I can't sit with the fucking, I can't sit with the bullets in the chamber anymore. Like the, the, the fucking, the gun and the, and the bullets, they have to stay separate. Because otherwise I'll start blasting. And I'll, yeah. and that's, that's, that's the reality for me. And it took a lot of work. It took a lot of spiritual practice. Like right now for me, like I wake up, try to do a little meditation. I try to read the new program book that I'm working, you know, and uh, and that's okay. And I meditate a little bit every day. My prayers are kind of simple, but like they're there. Uh, so Kim, what does your day-to-day spiritual practice look like? You're so good at this. Uh, the last three questions, I'm like, man, these segues. Am I allowed to mention that? Does that break the fourth wall? Uh, Third wall? Fourth wall? <laughs> Who knows? Um, I just i i try to make it i try to make it as smooth as possible so that there's like a through line, you know. It's 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 impressive. I felt I like it needed you. to be said. Um, my daily practice. I'm uh, learning to take compliments. Thank you, Kim, for the compliment. <laughs> yeah, that's huge, right? <sighs> I hate it. Yeah, like I have to tell you one. I say thank you, and then I have to tell you one reason why I'm a piece of garbage afterwards. And now I'm like, no, you don't. You just say thank you. Move on. Yeah. Um, so I wake up, I make my coffee and I write three. Do you know the artist way? I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the old, uh, fucking morning pages. Uh, yep. Yep. That's, that's the ones I did morning pages for like a good three months before I got tired of it. 
<laughs> oh my god i've been doing morning pages for 10 years like i right. i have to do them like because it's it just like i can feel the difference but then at like in just my i just got to get that stuff out like i wake up in the morning and just like and i don't judge what comes out on the page so if you don't know what morning pages are it's three and i and i don't hold to the three right when people are like i couldn't get three i'm like i write until i'm done sometimes that's one sometimes that's ten and i just and immediately feel better i call them now i call them letters to god um and then well i light a little candle i do that then i read my daily reader from the aca and then i read um we have something called the laundry list which is like basically just like shit that qualifies you for the program like how you are and then the flip side of like and then the promises and then i read the bill of rights in my program which is like things like i have the right to be wrong i have the right to feel things i'm glad, I'm glad you clarified be like yeah i read the united states <laughs> bill of rights every morning i'm like god damn kim like fucking <laughs> like that, 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 that i care about america y'all don't, read, so y'all don't read the constitution every morning after you take your morning bm <laughs> You fucking communist. I wish I didn't clarify. I wish that everyone was really confused at like the Bill of Rights. What is she? <laughs> and then I am trying now after the step 10, I am trying to meditate every day. Just I'm like, even if you just sit there for five minutes and even if you sit there and think for five minutes, as long as you're doing nothing for five minutes and I'm, I'm that part I'm struggling with, but that's, and then I try to at night write three things I'm grateful for. Um, I there's a list of step ten questions like Are you isolating? Are you making anybody your authority figure today? Like all that shit. And then I write three things I'm looking forward to. Nice. Yeah. So it is. I mean, like you got to do it. What? No, I was like that reminds me of my therapist suggested I should write down three things I like about myself every day. And I'm just like, Ugh. <laughs> you <Yeah>. should. <laughs> My sponsor was like, you can, I was writing like 10 things I was grateful for. And she goes, don't do that to yourself. And I'm like, why? And she goes, let me guess. They're all the same every day. I'm grateful. I have shelter. I'm grateful. I ate today. And I'm like, yeah. She goes, if you write three, that forces you to be grateful for different things every day and not just the same, you know. Well, that's the thing. It's just like it, I, the gratitude list at this juncture in my recovery doesn't do much for me. And so like, I don't, uh, I'm a big believer in honesty like as far as like and this will bleed into the last couple questions but like it, it in terms of spirituality there have been moments where i feel very spiritual and there's moments where i don't believe in fucking shit mm. uh but some of the cornerstones that have never left me is i believe in honesty i believe in open-mindedness and i believe in willingness like those are things that are powers that are greater than me because i don't i don't necessarily want to do either of those three things so like in regards to gratitude lists for me, uh, if they're not doing anything for me, I'm not going to do them, right? Mm, because it's like yeah. we said in the in the beginning, it's like I'm, I will do the things so you think I'm okay. Like so I'll have friends in recovery send me gratitude lists and I'll just thumbs up them because I can <laughs> read them. I, I, thanks. Thanks for sending this to me. But what, what, what I, like I said, I need to start doing is write three things that I like about me. All right, because I can be grateful for food in the fridge and shelter and sobriety and my friend Kim and I can be grateful for all these things. Uh, but like that's also me not going, hey, what do you like about you, motherfucker? You were you were told to maybe try doing that. 
Okay, mm-hmm. so what, like one, it's like I, I'm very loyal. I like that about myself. I am very well spoken. I'm the king of the Segway. Um, and two, I'm very good at writing tags for people. Like I like hearing people's jokes, coming up with a tag, giving it to them, and then hearing them try it and 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 it hitting. It is the best feeling in the world. Like it's it's as good as writing my own shit and having it work. But like when I when I'm able to like pay attention to another comics act and have an idea and just humbly be like, hey, like I, I I had this thought while you were doing what you were doing up there, and if you can use it, cool. If you can't, don't worry about it. And then like obviously it's harder in L.A. because everybody thinks their shit don't stink and they know everything. But yeah. like I found out that a very important comic that I did that to uh, recently, a friend saw them and I told them that story. She calls me up. She goes, hey, I was at Largo. Guess who I saw? And guess who used your tag? I'm like, no fucking Ooh, shit. I'm like, did cool. it work? And she's like, it fucking crushed. I'm like, yeah. That motherfucker won an Emmy. And now like I, I got to help write a tag in the, you know what I'm saying? So like, it was like, it was cool. And like, I'm not good at telling myself what I like about me. You just did three things. And it sucks. Every moment of the, every single second of that sucked. It was hard for me. Okay. I loved it. I bet you're yeah, going to get I'm, way good at it. Uh, I'm trying. I mean, that's, you know, the, the road and me are, are not in a loving relationship. Uh, I'm grateful for it, but like, it's, you know, I'm trying to find other ways to make money. So I have to, don't, don't have to leave my fucking ding dong cat. So, uh, yeah. so ri- writing for people and getting packets and all that shit, it, it, it seems to be the, the next natural direction. Cause I mean, I, I know how to work the road so I can go always make money if I need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, I don't know. I don't like leaving my stupid cat. Like it hurts me when I have to go and pay a friend a hundred bucks to make sure he gets visited once a day up here, you know? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, if anything, you're progressing your career for who your cat sounds great. That's totally normal. <laughs> and it is. I don't I, I don't care what people say. If my cat's my king. And if people are like, that's sad. I'm like, I don't care if that's sad that I'm the saddest girl in the world because I love that animal. Well, what's your relationship with your higher power, Kim? Um. Ooh. so I grew up uh, Catholic and Jehovah's Witness. And my dad was really cool about, which is weird to say, I know, because you know all the stuff about my dad. That's fucking recovery. Um, living in the gray, right? Uh, my dad was really cool about it because he was like, look, religion was pu- pushed on me. So whatever you want to do. So I got baptized at like 12 on my own. Like I was like, I want to be Catholic. And then, you know, I admitted all the stuff with my father. And that made me just like not believe in a God. And I was like, very much atheist until I, I got to step two in Al-Anon and I had this sponsor cool it. Like I had, a, I had a couple sponsors before her that was just like, I don't know, just keep trying to pray or whatever. Like, just like shit that I was like, but I don't believe in that. So she was like, well, why don't you try this? And I know it sounds really stupid and I know you're gonna be really mad at it, but just try it. And I was like, fine. She's like, why don't you write a letter to your old God and fire them and like, write like, everything that made you stop believing in him every single thing and i was like that sounds stupid but i'm willingness is something that i have now so fine and she goes and then when you're done i want you to write a one ad of what you think a higher power could be like what you would want if 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 there was a god if you did believe in a higher power and like a world that's not here because i know you don't 
what kind of and I was like, all of that sounds really stupid. But I said I would do whatever you told me to do because my own like I tried it by myself for a very long time and it didn't work. So I'm going to try what you tell me to do. And in Al-Anon, I found a higher power and I I, I have the, an unshakable and I get so I get the aspect of like really religious people who are like, no, I don't fuck with God because that's not real because I grew up in this like horrible environment where, you know, some man who brought me to church used to touch me. You know what I mean? Like it, and but now I, I I think God can be anything like you said, I think willingness is God is higher power. And I used to not be able to say God, but now I say higher power, spirit, whatever. I'm so yeah, I'm in. If you hear me say God, it's usually just so you know what I'm talking about. Like I, I would rather acronym G-O-D. Like I, I, I like it. The, the group of drunks. Um, Ooh, most I like recently that. I heard in a meeting and it blew my fucking mind because it's like, I've been saying this forever is the gift of desperation. Like any recovery comes from one place and one place only is the gift of desperation. And it's, I'm so desperate to not live the way I'm living that I'm going to try. And then I heard it in a meeting and someone said, yeah, I like the God acronym gift of desperation. I'm like, what? I've been saying this shit for almost 10 years and I didn't put together that that was G.O.D. as well. <laughs> no, because for me, the, when things when things are are horrible and when the pain of things staying the same is greater than the pain of change, that's when change happens for me. And unfortunately, that is a gift of desperation. So I am desperate enough to go fucking walk into this new program where there's a whole nother 12 steps and I have a whole new sponsor and I don't want to do any of this shit because it's like, oh, God damn it. I already worked these 12 steps. Now I got to work another 12 steps. It's like, yeah, you're fucking, if you don't, if you don't want to desperately crave oblivion anymore, you might need to work another 12 step program. So yeah. we, we out here trying. And that's, and that's also like, the part of God too, for me is that like earlier I said, my family's so screwed up that I, I see God in the fact that they're not so, but like mine was so bad that I had to get out and it sounds crazy, but I'm like, and it sounds crazy to normal people, but I'm like, that's God to me that it was so bad that I am. A, I got to find this new way of life, this new way to live. And that's God. Yeah. It, yeah. it is whatever you want to call it, just call it. That's yeah. what I tell people. I'm a big, I'm a big spirit of the universe guy. So, yeah, I call it universe most of the time. Mm -hmm. Yep. I, uh, I made a handshake deal with the universe that if it gave me my life back, I would do whatever I could to help the next person. So Ooh, I love that. Yep. And well, we made it to the end, Kim. This is the 12th question. Well, well one, there's oh. one more. Okay. <laughs> like, fuck, finally, it's over. No, I was like, that went by so fast. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> what would you tell someone just like you in the world listening right now? Oh, man. It gets better. You know, just show up, man. When it's, when it's the toughest, I'm having a really tough time right now with this death that I can't process, you know, like you said, economic insecurity. Um, I'm freaked out. I might have COVID fucking again. I still have, I have to go to a lung doctor to see if I have early onsite emphysema that annoys me on a level I can't even fucking describe to you. <laughs> like after everything I've been through in my life, I, I'm like, I don't believe in a God that would give me emphysema at 40. <laughs> like, but I digress. Uh, but I would I would say when I'm feeling the way I'm right now, I go next best thing. What's the next step? Just one step at a time. And there's, you know, 
you don't have to carry this stuff alone. You can drop it and give it to someone. Like there's so, I don't know. I just, I know that if someone's listening right now and they're not ready to hear it, they're going to think, you know, fuck off to this lady. But if you're ready, like it's so true when you're ready, the teacher, the student, I told you at the beginning, I'm really bad at saying something about a student being ready and the teacher appears. That's what it is. Um, so just, I don't know. There's hope, there's hope out there and you're probably not guilty. Sure is. Kim, where could people find you and all the lovely things that you're doing? Uh, let's see. Uh, my name is Kim Kral, K-Y-M-K-R-A-L. So it's spelled all wrong. Um, are all right. Uh, I'm on that on all of my all the socials. So follow me there. I have a podcast called Crawl Space, K-R-A-L Space, S-P-A-C-E, um, where I kind of talk about a lot of this stuff. I talk about it's just me alone in this closet that you can see me in. And I just work through my trauma and I, you know, I talk about, you know, pooping my pants as well. Uh, so trauma and pooping on my pants. And then I wrote a book called You wrote a book. Hell I yeah. Wrote, I wrote a book, dude. Um, Confessions of a Recovering Party Girl. And so on the surface, the book is like just a bunch of crazy dating stories and how I used to get just super fucked up and date all the wrong men. But on each in each story, it's like how I found self-love and how I found recovery, how I got into therapy. Uh, I talk a lot about addiction in it. I talk a lot about how we have a, you know, how I didn't necessarily have a drinking problem, but I definitely use it as a coping mechanism. And when I healed that one thing that helped me, that made me disassociate, I don't know. So it's a whole book of you'll laugh a lot and then you'll also maybe learn a thing or two and, and you can, can get people that pick up that book. You can get that at Amazon. Uh, I know, important, right? Amazon, uh, Confessions of a Recovering Party Girl, or you can go to kimcrawl.com and hit buy my book and I'll sign it and I'll send it to you with a funny bookmark. Fuck yeah. Buy yeah. Kim's book. And uh, thank you everybody for listening. You can find the podcast, 12Q Pod, at uh, all social media handles, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at 12Q Pod. Uh, you can send us an email with your questions, 12QPod at gmail.com. Uh, so please tell a friend, subscribe, leave a review so we can reach more people. Uh, you can find me at Yates Comedy, Y-A-T-E-S Comedy, on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all the shit. Uh, you can support me directly by buying my hot sauce, hahahotsauce.com. Make sure your taste buds work. Uh, you don't want to waste <laughs> this stuff. So hahahotsauce.com. And Kim, how we end this podcast every single time is if nobody's told you this today, love you, Kim. Oh, I love you too. And Thank if you're you. listening out there in the podcast, Ether and Anna Valenzuela, who's decided along those roadies, if you're listening right now, we love you very much. Thanks for listening, everybody. Peace. Bye.